Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, and welcome to I Way with Jamila Jamil, our podcast against shame. I'm going to make this brief because I, like everyone else, have had a chest infection for what feels like about 400,000 years and it's just making my voice too sexy, as you can hear. And I just don't think that's fair for other podcasters out there. So, you know, I love to be fair. Okay, my guest this week is Annie Sarnblad and she is known as the human lie detector, which I think is one of the coolest and most interesting and scary job titles I've ever heard of. She has spent her life learning every single micro expression. I'm talking about the ones that happen within 1 25th of a second. She can spot all of them and know if someone is bullshitting her. She can read so much about every emotion someone's having just by the tiny little expressions in their face, the tiny curls of their lip or the tiny snarl that they may have. Things that most of us don't even know to look out for. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. She had, you know, I think a difficult childhood, I would say, which she goes into a little bit in this episode. And it made her want to grow up and make sure that, you know, she was lied to a lot. She wants to make sure no one else has ever lied to again. And so she's made it her life's work to train and teach huge companies how to spot bullshit so that when they're in negotiations, like big negotiations, they can figure out the integrity of the person they're going into business with. And she also helped people when it comes to deciphering in love and relationships. She has a new book out. It's called Diary of a Human Lie Detector facial expressions in love, lust and lies. It was recently released and people are loving this book. I am loving this book. It is fascinating and you should definitely read it. But in this episode, we just give you a kind of taste of what it is that she's talking about, why she has chosen this subject as her life's work and why it's so important for our mental health to be able to feel safe when we know that we are not being gaslit all the time. It's empowering. It feels like having my agency back to know some of these things. It's tricky because once you see it, you can't unsee it. But I also think I would rather be able to see it than not, especially given how chaotic and ridiculous the world is and how much bullshit there is flying everywhere, out of the media, out of people's mouths. It's it's hard to know which politicians to trust. And so her work has made me feel a bit more prepared for the year and the years ahead. So listen to the episode, tell me what you think, and go follow her work. This is the fascinating Annie Sarnblad. I'm sorry my voice has been so sexy. Annie Sarnblad, welcome to Ai Wei. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Good to see you, Jamila. 
so good to see you. I'm so fascinated by you. I think you have the most bizarre and interesting <laughs> life and career of anyone I think I've ever had on this podcast, which is really saying something after four years. That's saying a lot. Would you be able to talk to me about why you have chosen this line of work? Yeah. Um, so I had a hard childhood and spent a lot of years feeling like my feelings, you know, the things that were right in front of me and the things that that happened to me were, I was gaslighted, quite simply. You know, so there was trauma hmm. and there was this idea that the things that I saw were then, I was told, didn't happen very shortly afterwards. So it wasn't even that it was, you know, months later, it was very quickly afterwards. And I grew up in a place where feelings weren't given much attention. And so England? <laughs> No, outside of Chicago, actually. Right. (laughs) Fascinating. I thought it was just us. Just you. No, no, there are other repressed peoples too. (laughs) So um, I became obsessed with sort of what was between the surface. And I became very focused really early on in my childhood about who I could trust and who I couldn't trust. Mm -hmm. And so I was and continue to be Mm hypervigilant. And it's just something that was wired into me from the beginning. And so I left home at the age of 16. I went on a rotary scholarship and that was my version really of running away from home. Mm -hmm. I kind of knew I wouldn't survive on the streets and I really needed to get away. And so I went to Sweden. I'm an American kid and um, grew up in the U.S. and I learned Swedish when I was 16 years old. And I spent the next 25 years moving around from country to country. I studied as an anthropologist in, in Sweden. And I learned eight languages, mostly through immersion. Wow. I'm not that great at languages. So I spent years of my life not understanding what people are feeling. And I think that was my way of dealing with trauma was to keep stimulating my brain and stimulating my communication skills. Because it was harder to decode people when you can't understand their words. You're really then having to rely on their body language. And well, you facial. really have to. Yeah. And I spent years right. of my life just staring at people's faces. And I was utterly convinced. I mean, it's it's been sort of this lifelong thing. If you tell me that I can't do something, that, that I become obsessed with doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because there was such a disconnect between what I saw and felt and what I was told that I saw and felt. And I, I think probably around the age of 10 or 12, I learned about the work of Paul Ekman, who started to scientifically code the facial expressions and his work of categorizing the universal facial expressions of mankind was really based on the work of Darwin. Mm -hmm. And Darwin's work, of course, was going from tribe to tribe, categorizing these facial expressions. And the reason he was able to do it is because it's innately wired into us humans. It's a species thing. It has nothing to do with culture. So the, the great irony of my life is that I don't specifically work with cultural differences. I work with the pieces of us humans that are universal. Right. How has that, I mean, I, I would love to get into like how that has worked within your career. But emotionally, has that led to you feeling more safe? That's a really good question. And I think, yes, absolutely. I was reading this beautiful quote that it was um, about how much of, of love is lost because between the word, the things we say and don't mean and the things we mean and don't say. Hmm. And I am able to see 
exactly in the moment if somebody means their words or if somebody doesn't mean the words because I'm looking for when the facial expression matches the words. And so if somebody says they love me, Mm -hmm. I can see on their face clear as day, oh, yes, you do. How, how, How can you see that? They will pucker their chin. They'll take this soft. If someone if someone isn't watching this, can you sort of describe it if they're just listening? Yeah. So so with love, when we're portraying, when we're telling somebody that we have great depth of emotion for them, if I were telling you and declaring my love for you for the first time, and and a little bit concerned that maybe you were going to reject me, I would pucker my chin because there is no love without vulnerability. And so and all your vulnerability is in your chin. It's in your chin. Our achy, breaky heart is on our chin. Can you, even when you do it. But what if you're, okay, so this is just the first time someone says they love you. Not every time they ever well, say Well, I mean, I, you. I, you know. It's just I, like that first time it's that you're extending that. It's like, any time I'm really feeling like I'm making a declaration. I would even say, you know, I would even pucker my chin sometimes when I say to my kids, you know, my, my son will say, well, how come I can't stay out until two o'clock in the morning? Because I love you. Because I love you. Because you're not replaceable. Right. And I worry and I can't sleep when you're not home. Oh, that's so funny. And yeah. is that for everyone? Yeah, it's just universal. We, it's like, I describe it like a, our chin is like a smooth grape. Uh-huh. And when we pucker it, we turn it into this little raisin, this dimply raisin. As soon as you do it, you feel it in your solar plexus. You're like, oh, if you make the sound, oh, oh, you automatically oh, oh, do right. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's so funny. I don't think I've ever noticed that. With 9 billion people on the planet, yeah. is there no variation? No, not unless we have some kind of facial paralysis. Or or right. if you're not feeling the feeling, then you don't make the micro expressions. So everybody makes these big same facial expressions when we're little. We're actually trained out of them by our parents. So we're not trained into the facial expressions. We're trained out of them. How are we trained out of them? Look look me in the eyes when you speak to me, Jamila. Look okay. me in the eyes when you answer mama. Like, look, oh, look, right, 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 right. When you right. talk to me, look me in the eyes, be, be polite. And we lose this sort of, this is what we naturally do. Tick, 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 yeah. tick, Babies will do that. They'll look over your ho- So I teach my students, look me on the face. Right, Not right, look right. me in the eyes. Okay. Look, watch, watch my, and when you get to a really important piece of a negotiation or a date, you're going to want to shift your gaze down here to see how they respond to you. So if someone were to learn these things, yeah. they would be able to potentially fake these things? Well, you can't fake the microexpressions. They're up to a 25th of a second and they precede the thought process. So, I mean, I can try and I can like hold a disgust face or I can hold a vulnerability face, but yeah. the timing's off. So you would automatically be like, what the hell is this girl doing? <laughs> oh, this is fascinating. Okay, so I have had a problem with my facial expressions my whole life, right? And I've been told off for my facial expressions my whole life. I have quite a dead face and also... I, I sometimes don't make the correct facial expression for the like scenario. Situation. And I think that, yeah, we have a large neurodivergent uh, audience as well, I think. Yeah. And so maybe they would also wonder that given that sometimes social cues or facial expressions aren't always totally natural or necessarily societally fitting, neurotypical, what does it mean for them? Is that a separate case? Yeah. So first of all, I'm not an expert. And mm-hmm. being neurodivergent, I mm-hmm. am fascinated. I've always been fascinated by it. I have friends, loved ones, students, family members, a lot of people that I'm really, really close to that are on the yeah. spectrum that have autism. Yeah. And so what I'm seeing with, from my own experience, is that the, the micro expressions all match. You know, that's, there, there is universal as erections. 
When okay. men are aroused, they get erections. <laughs> it's a change in blood flow and muscle movement. It's the same. Like, it's not, you know, when you're sad or when you're angry. Or and if you do that, you need to see somebody above my pig, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but I mean, that's when it, I use that example because it's so clear that when you're aroused, you get an erection and you can't fake it. But mm-hmm. I don't know what that person is thinking. I don't know if, if there's a naked man in front of me with an erection, I'm not 100% sure he's thinking about me. But I know for a fact he's aroused. Just like right. if I see in a moment his pupils dilate, there's a change in blood flow and muscle movement in his body and his pupils will dilate. And I know right. he's aroused by just watching his pupils. You have to look and, for and the isn't movement. Isn't this like you, if you look to the left, it means you're lying or something like no, that? So or that's I the creative that. side of the brain? Yeah, okay. I think there, there's some studies about that. I've never found it to be true. You watch me as soon as I start thinking, I look up. But I've never found any correlation with where I look and whether or not I'm telling the truth. Interesting. I, yeah. Okay. So with, with neurodiversity, for example, I do see what, what is so interesting to me with my students that have autism is that their parents will sometimes, if they have neurotypical parents or one neurotypical parent, uh, the, pers- the, the parent will often be frustrated because they're not feeling or they, the, what they're supposed to be feeling. Yeah. So that's ridiculous. Like we can't we can't be in charge of what other people are going to feel all the time. That's that's crazy. But- no, totally. But I, I think well, I, I guess it's just the fact that I'm thinking about, and I think this is specifically for girls in particular. Mm-hmm. We've learned so many yeah. faces that we're supposed to make, and like this podcast being videoed has been like a huge wake up call for me about like how often I'm making the wrong face for what I feel right so it's like I look like I'm smelling shit all the time and then and then I can see myself start (laughs) and I but I'm not thinking no I'm thinking yes it's just my brain is thinking I I don't I don't know really what the disconnect is but I've learned so many facial expressions for when I'm like actively listening to someone Mm -hmm. or when I'm trying to communicate friendliness or any of these things and so I wonder if someone would just I mean it is technically disingenuous so yeah. I, I guess. Right. So I would see that. Yeah. Right. And so what That's I look for often is the no face. That's the face we do when we don't want something. It makes perfect sense. I'm not going to eat that. Somebody comes with the airplane yeah, when yeah. you're a baby and you're like, oh, that smells terrible. It actually shuts off the sense of smell. We sprinkle this uh, up and it sh- shuts off our nostril passages. And if we really dis- dislike something, we'll actually tuck our chin and that will close off our throat. So it's basically saying, no, I will not eat that. You don't get to come inside. No, 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 no. Ew, ew, yuck. And that's the big macro expression. It's got three pieces. The wrinkle here, the lifting of the nasolabial furl, and the lifting yeah. of the upper lip. It's that like seventh grade girl that's a bully that's like, ew, are you going to wear that? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying. And so the micro expression is just a little twitch. Oh, that's so interesting. And it just leaks. It's like a, it's like the eye tick, you know, that I get sometimes when I'm stressed where it goes boom, boom. It's, it's almost like this little jolt of electricity. But what we'll do very gently when we're uncomfortable and we can be uncomfortable with anything. It doesn't mean I hate you or I don't want to do this. It just, as soon as we deepen what I call the nostril shadows. So that's a, just, okay. I like to, to put easy language on it because mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time teaching my children and I work a lot in workshops teaching people. And if I start talking about the nasolabial front, like nobody was going to remember that after one right. session. But if I say nostril shadows, that's the no face. So watch what happens when I make when I do a smile to, to mask it. It still feels oh, unsettling. Oh, God, I live in LA. Everyone smells like that here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
oh, sometimes shit. they do. They really do. They're like, hey. And you're going, you're like, I, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but my body is responding to it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week, you know, as you're bottling things up, because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel, you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to. And this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy, regardless of whether they think they need it, because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. This is so fascinating. Okay, so can I ask, does this, in your personal life, make other people nervous around you? So it's either of the extremes. It's either like, oh my God, you can see everything. Let me tell you every piece of trauma I've ever experienced. And that's generally the boys. The boys, the men will say, oh, you can see everything anyway. It's almost like they going to a psychologist. But I've been storing up these problems. Let me tell you what they are. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how many times I walked off the stage had someone wait till I'm by myself and then come over and told me that they were the sexually assaulted yeah. Uh, yeah, as a child and you're the first person I've ever told me. And these are, you know, 50-year-old men. Fucking fascinating. And also just the fact that so many massive companies have worked with you in your life because it's such a big part of negotiation, being able to yeah. recognize someone else's intentions and and honesty when you're going into business with them, which I, I think extends, obviously, as 
with your work to our interpersonal relationships. But I think that's it's just something I would never have considered happened in a boardroom that they have a facial expression analysis. They, they don't. And for years and years, I worked as a strategic advisor and nobody knew I did this. I had four <gasps> grownups in the world that yeah. knew that I could code. Yeah. And everybody knew when I lived in Southeast Asia, everybody knew that, it, that I had something. The only other people who, who like can see that I'm doing something funky are like the secret service kind of the, the bodyguards right. of people, of a very, you know, people that need bodyguards. Yeah, yeah. They take one look at me and I'm sure it's that I hold my gaze too long and I'm, I'm tracking. I'm going up and down the face rather than just looking somebody in the eyes and I'm looking too long and I can see it almost instantly. They register, you know, they start getting itchy and they give me this look like you're made. And so... Do you, can you ever switch it off? No, never. Does that get exhausting? Utterly exhausting. Yeah, I have a friend who says that he can see the, you know, the dead. Oh, God. In the room and that he can see other people's relatives and that he's constantly getting messages. And uh, I am not the person to say scientifically whether that's possible or not, but I do witness this person go through that being overwhelmed and and being scarily accurate with strangers all the time who they didn't need to talk to and weren't like getting money from they would just blurt things out in like starbucks Mm -hmm. um and so i find him to be like a constantly exhausted person because he's just always receiving codes of information and that's exactly the same for you just in a much more literal physical way yes it's, it's utterly overwhelming. So what do you do at a party? Like, <laughs> I'm really fun at a party. I, I don't go to a lot of parties, but there was a section in, in, um, in my book that I wrote about my friend with the big brain who likes to give me this, you know, a glass of champagne because I so rarely drink. And he mm-hmm. knows that I'm so unfiltered. I mean, I see so much of humanity all over the place. So he likes to get me a little bit of champagne and he likes to have me code everybody in the room, especially the men. And he used to take me to the parties and he'd say, I want to know who to invest in. That guy, that guy, that guy. Go have a quick conversation and tell me if he's genuine. Tell me if you believe him. Tell me if he's, there's some, if he's a sociopath, that kind of thing. And, and you know, it's not that difficult to, to get a pretty quick read. You, what you need to remember is that I can see the feelings, not the thought process. Mm-hmm. So I can see if somebody responds to something with empathy or kindness or if they sneer or they, if they show arousal or pleasure in someone else's pain and suffering. That's a big problem for me. Or if mm-hmm. they show kindness and empathy when you talk about something in my life that's hard or my kid's life. But coming back to this feeling of it being overwhelmed, I mean, I've had a lot of guilt. I've raised my three children as human lie detectors and realizing as they got to be teenagers the um the burden that they carried around on their shoulders by being able to see all these grown-ups see through all the grown-ups around them and also you can't lie to your children not even a little bit and also yeah. i think what i wanted to touch on is that you know as much as you have worked training people within the world of business i know that mm-hmm. like a large part of your passion is to arm people women especially but i think yeah. everyone 
uh, with this tool, which I think is so important. And, you know, I'm sure there have been other periods of dishonesty throughout history, but because of the prevalence of AI and and unbelievably boldly dishonest politicians and media figures and social media, meaning that the, the lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its trousers on. Like this feels like the time where we most need to be able to decipher yes. honesty when it comes to who we choose to go to bed with or who we choose to live with or who we choose to work with or who we choose to vote for. I First of all, I agree with you. I, I think on both sides of the aisle, it's so incredibly disheartening. I mean, I think there were certainly times in my life where I thought one party was... Um, somehow more honest than, than another one. And I'm looking at these politicians and thinking, it's, it's the more you know, the more upsetting it is in general. And so there are certain things that we look for. We look for in dishonesty and deception. We look for the words not matching the microexpressions. Is somebody nodding a lot while they're saying, no, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a problem. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. That's that's the easiest one to see. And that's not even universal. I mean, the microexpressions are universal to our species. Nodding and shaking heads are actually de- depend. I'm an anthropologist. Um, anybody who spent time in, in Sri Lanka or India or, you know, there's lots of places in the world where they have different head mo- movements. Yeah. But if you have a British man who's lived in, in England his entire life, for example, and he's saying, I did not you know, that I am not the father of that child. While nodding. <laughs> I would maybe take a second look at that. And so the, the, the microexpressions say the feel, it shows us where to dig. It's not definitive lie detection. But if somebody says, every time I'm talking about working with Tom, I'm growling. Yeah. Then there's something that you're going to want to ask more questions about. And I know that we touched on ways in which this can be a bit exhausting to you and you can't turn it off. But I also think when it comes to mental health, I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you and and ask you about the book and to teach all of us mm-hmm. uh, what you know, just like a little bit of what you know, is because I do think that my mental health has been helped by learning how to decipher some of these things and mostly I you know because I feel then I feel a bit safer my cortisol isn't always activated because I'm not always in fight or flight because I have some sort of sense of agency like I know what's going on yes. something that I I still struggle with a lot and I think a lot of people do is you know what we refer to as the gut instinct yes and and I know that that's something that you feel very passionately about. So could you talk to me about that? So link? our gut instinct is basically our, our primitive brain, our paleomammalian brain that is telling us, you know, what is dangerous and what is safe. And in particular, I feel like women are trained to disregard that and that, no, you're being judgmental, you're not being kind, you're seeing things as black and white. You're hysterical. That didn't really happen. You're hysterical, you're crazy, you're over-emotional. And um, what I am trying to do with the remainder of my life is to teach people the words and the science. So the vocabulary and the science for what they're seeing right in front of us that our brains Mm -hmm. are interpreting anyway. So, you know, if you see somebody crying, regardless if the tears are streaming down their face, you know that that person is sad. You see the full macro expression, the entire puzzle. And so a four-year-old say, I'm not sad. I'm not saying, and you 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 see it, but you may not really be super aware of the fact that they're tenting their eyebrows and they're showing what I call a line of sorrow, which is this skin loses gravity 
Darwin talked okay. a lot about like when when you humans are the sort of eyebrow sad. fold. Yeah. yeah, it's this fold of skin that comes down really minutely, and then the pucker of the chin and that pushes the the lower lip up and out. And mm-hmm. so, if I can teach you the words in the vocabulary, you're look, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, oh, honey, you look you look sad. You know, or if I say, how are you doing today? And you say, great. And you pucker your chin. I know for a fact you're not doing great. That's my instant proof that mm-hmm. you're feeling vulnerability. I don't know why you're feeling vulnerability. I would have to ask. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I can identify the feeling in real time. And mm-hmm. so when we're looking to see if we're, if we're on a date with someone, for example, and we're talking about something that's hard for us emotionally, physically, or financially, that person, mm-hmm. if they're connected and deep in conversation and they're focused on, they should be showing some compassion, vulnerability in, in their chin. They should be mirroring our, what we're talking about. Now, mm-hmm. if they're not, it's possible they still care about you, but they're thinking about something else. But they're not feeling emotionally attached or connected in that moment. And people have a very hard time faking that. First of all, they just don't know. And second of all, like the timing and the movement, your gut will tell you when something's off. So if I can teach you the science and somebody is leaning over you and saying, I'm so happy to hear you got that promotion. And they're growling at you like a dog. Just ever so slightly. And you said it's only a 25th of a second. It's just that little, right? But it just goes really fast. and tiny, quick snarl. If you're looking at it, if you're looking for it, and if I just say, if I say, I heard you got, I heard you got that deal you were looking for. You know, if your if your eyes are already there, you see it, even if you're just not trained. God, I've never noticed that before. And I've never because it must be yes. so subtle. Also, not to be really silly, but just to be perfectly honest, what about when people have had loads of Botox and fillers? What do you do then? So this will still move. This part, the glabella, doesn't move. So you're not going to well, see as much of the Just for anyone who's just listening, so it's the forehead that's the yeah, 11th, it's right? The, this is the glabella, the, the space between our mm-hmm. eyebrows. And so people put mm-hmm. Botox in all sorts of places, but the this will still twitch. And you'll still okay. see, even, you know, as you were saying with Hollywood has, LA has the, the, the people that are all the time going, you still yeah. see that nostril shadow, even if they put in fillers and, and done a lot of work there. You're still okay. going to see it differ from their baseline, from what their face looks like when it's neutral. Totally. And so totally. If, if you are trying to figure out, your, your gut is telling you, I just don't trust this guy. And he's like, let me tell you about all the great things that are going to happen if you stick with me. He's going to start twitching here. If his, his body will betray his words. Mm-hmm. So really, just it's the sides of the nose that are going to like it's, give away a lot no of face. your safety. Yeah, that's really a lot yeah. of your safety. And so if, if you are seeing it and you say, well, he said all the right things and he's offering more money for the same project than someone else, you're really tempted to go to, go with somebody who's who's saying the right things, who's um, you know who's who's maybe love bombing you, who's who's offering money or things that you want, whatever it might be in a, you know, in a business or a romantic relationship. But if your gut is say, is telling you, hey, there's something off and you see that every time he says something nice, he twitches, then you know for sure, okay, that was the proof I needed. Right. So essentially it's like you can't fully control someone's access to their gut instinct, but what you can do is affirm yes. that that suspicion of a gut instinct by giving them fact so that they have something to look on that that can confirm maybe there is no gut instinct of fear there 
but it can confirm any kind of uncomfortable, queasy feeling you might yeah. have about someone. I think that's really important. I do think that we all need to work harder. We are being driven away from our gut instinct in every way possible with yes. the distraction of the screens and the chaos and the noise mm. and the anxiety mm. and the medications and the foods and the, all the different things like that pull us out of ourselves, like yeah. the amount that people may drink or take drugs. There's so many things that detach us from, from and, and also, sorry, largely trauma, you know, where you're like, is this a trigger or am I actually unsafe in this moment? Well, no, so that's exactly we do it. need to keep doing that work to, to tune into ourselves, but it is fantastic to have an almost like mathematical or a scientific, Well, that was, that was for me when I realized in my adolescence that there was a way to prove that I was seeing what I was seeing. And then mm -hmm. I could prove that my sixth grade teacher, who was a pedophile, was a bad man. And every time he talked to any of the girls, he growled like a dog. And I didn't know what it was that was off, but I knew something was off. And, you know, mm. two years later, I had a classmate that told me that he was molested. And we, as a grown up, we formed an, uh, a team and, and went after him. We found eight victims, and we think they're Amazing. up to 200. I'm I mean, so sorry to hear that happen. Yeah, you know, th this being able to put words on what I see and what I know has been life-changing for me. And the really interesting thing that I think I kind of didn't expect was it shows you who the predators are, but it also shows you who you can trust. It shows you who loves you and who wishes you well and who wants you to be happy and and flourish and thrive and you know who even when their feelings are hurt are still concerned with your well-being so without further ado can we give the audience your kind of top five steps to Perfect. being able to recognize yes lies? yes okay so one of the things we're going to look for is the facial expression of joy if someone is genuinely feeling happy their cheeks lose gravity it has nothing mm -hmm. to do with the mouth their cheeks pop up and this skin right here bulges out because it's got nowhere to go. Those are called mm -hmm. smile bags. I call them smile mm -hmm. bags. That's why they call it smizing, right? When you make the eyes of oh, someone well, who's smiling, even though the rest do of the, your face doesn't. You can do the fake, the fake thing, and that will mm -hmm. leave this fairly flat. So I can fake smile. Yeah. Or I can really smile and move up my cheeks. Yeah. And again... It doesn't, it's, it's not necessarily relevant. It's relevant if you're, if you really deeply care about someone to see if they're really happy or not. You know, with my, with my child, if I have a four-year-old and they're going like this every time, I'm thinking, what's wrong that they're not really, they're pretending to be happy when they're not. But a grown-up, I might just be having a hard day. I'm going to still give you a smile if we're friends, even though I may not feel it in the depths of my soul. So it's a social smile. But you also touched on knowing if someone's happy for you. Yeah. yeah. What I really worry about is that the informal triangles, those are the balls of the cheeks, the apples, you know, mm -hmm. that pop up. What I worry about with that is whether it was when they pop up and that person is showing pleasure when some in someone else's pain. Right. So that's okay. a big problem. The expression so, needs to match. Okay. The other day, my boyfriend dropped coffee all the way down himself, not in a way that burned him but it was over his new fancy <laughs> coat and it was just the clumsiness of it and just how refined he is and the fact that he just pulled the whole thing. And I fucking burst into laughter and then he was really pissed at me. Yeah. Uh, and that's partially because in England, like we have a show called, the, like a historic show called You've Been Framed uh, yeah. that was on every Saturday of just people falling over and us, I guess, being taught that it was funny and finding it funny. I also did a show called The Misery Index. Am I a sociopath? No. 
Okay. You're but like, that's silly. bad that something bad happened to someone. And I but have like, I also nervously that, laugh. Like, I nervously know. laughed at an uncle's funeral. Like I I, I, I have problems. You know, what, what do you do <laughs> about that? <laughs> right, because I know I'm not supposed to have that reaction. Now I can't stop. And I get yeah. terrible giggles. Right. You're not taking pleasure. You don't see somebody get hit by a bus and think that's hysterical. No. Or somebody say, my grandmother has cancer. And you're like, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's, it's not your, you're thinking I need to be socially appropriate and then just losing your shit. Well, so it looks funny. Totally, right. It looks funny. funny. Chaos to me yeah. looks funny. I think yeah. it's funny when I fall over. Yes. So, but, yes. but yeah. I, I do need to work on it though because he was like, "This is really unhelpful." And but you say you you <laughs> and then framed I laughed it by it. saying he didn't hurt himself. Like if he'd burned himself deeply or if he'd cut himself. Oh my god! Yeah, no, no, no. That that's would be a to- right. Even right, that just okay. shows you show the no face. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't laugh at that. Right. Yeah, yeah. So your okay. your expressions are matching what you're okay, saying. Okay, not yeah. dead inside. Not let's, dead inside. Let's baby. keep going. <laughs> Um, okay, so then we've got the no face that we talked about. Yeah, right. The slightly we've, snarly labial. It's vulva the growl. Thingy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounded dirty. <laughs> Sorry, labial fold. Does that N- nasal is that in the vagina? Fold. Sorry, nasal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all. It's so all you have folds. to pull up their their knickers or pull down their knickers and have a you look at their vagina. St- and if their vagina is cringing, then it means they're not happy. <laughs> Oh fuck! I'm so sorry. I've I've been People up since be two like, a.m. I'm trying really hard. What was she said? Wait a second. I am. Yeah. People are gonna so, remember it. Oh totally. I mean, what about um the asshole? What does the asshole tell us about someone else? <laughs> it means that they're tense. Like if there's right, a clenching. Right, right. yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. anger, anger, right. for example, is so I get asked all the time. I have men that come up to me after I've spoken, and they're they're like. My wife says I'm crabby all the time and I'm not crabby. I cannot tell you how many men have said so funny while like, making such a crabby face. Yeah. And I go, okay, honey, you're thinking about work? Yeah, I'm thinking about work. And it's almost like talking to a little kid. Yeah, I mean, and I was like, well, do you, do you can tell your wife that if you're angry, you're going to have tight lips. But that the forehead, the brow of concentration and problem solving is the same as the brow of anger. Because there's a there's a piece of... Something is unjust, unfair, wrong, needs to be fixed, needs to be solved. These are our thinking muscles. Our That's thinking the muscles. face I make during debates. So yes, of people course. think I'm looking at them like they're fucking stupid. And it's not that. I'm just trying to uh, solve the puzzle. If you're angry, your lips will be tight and clenched. Okay. Yeah. Right. Always. Anger always has a tight Okay, mouth. I need to tell my friends that because yeah. when they're when this we're in a d- dispute. Yeah, yeah. But imagine if you do too much Botox and then you can't use your thinking muscles. Right. <laughs> So that's oh, one man. of the reasons it helps with depression because you, you stop ruminating quite so much because you can't quite even get all the way there. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
Well, it's also partially, I imagine, like facial expressions. There was a lot of talk after like year two of the pandemic where children were wearing masks at a very developmental age Mm -hmm. and they felt as though that was creating, I guess, slowing down their ability yeah. to pick up certain well, social cues. Well, what our parents do to, when they say, look me in the eyes, look me in the eyes, look me in the eyes. We're, we're like losing all of this muscle movement that we're supposed to be. Fit. Yeah, this is our original human And they're not language. learning how to recognize it in each other. That's yeah. right. That's right. And as grownups, most of us have lost it. The, the earlier I can teach somebody, the better. Mm. You know, I had, my youngest student is three. <laughs> When I work with her, she's like, duh. (laughs) Yeah. She knows all the facial expressions. That's what she uses. She doesn't have a fully developed vocabulary because she's three. I mean, she speaks full sentences. She's very bright, but but that they still rely on the facial expressions. Yeah. And also, like, I guess there's such a wonderful purity to how children aren't holding that back yet, Mm -hmm. which I really enjoy. Um, Talk to me about holding back. Okay. That's... um, that actually has a little bit of a pucker of the chin, but the only reason it's got the chin pucker is because it takes a lot of muscles to get this bubble right here. And it's because you're f- almost physically holding the words inside of your mouth. Yeah, it's it's the it's the facial expression biting our tongue. Yeah, and I call Barack Obama the king of expression because he's forever making this facial expression. <laughs> I have something to say that I'm itching to say, and I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I'm not allowed so in a board meeting in any kind of work meeting. I mean, you could see somebody in a, in a meeting make that facial expression and it may be that they have something really important to say, but it's almost lunchtime. They don't really want to eat. It's so funny you say that because when you mentioned the Barack Obama thing, I was also thinking about who I see make that face mm-hmm. the most. And aside from it being English people in yeah. general, yeah. Um, women and women in business scenarios. Mm-hmm. Over and over again. Women who are, you know, in a meeting, in a big boardroom meeting or when everyone's pitching ideas or in a writer's room or on set even, you Mm -hmm. can see, or even when someone's doing their hair and makeup, I can see that. And they don't quite like it and they want to say something. But they're not going to say it. And I see women do it more than men because (sighs) women are so incredibly suppressed and yes and I think that's yes. maybe a good thing for us to all hear about to know that maybe that's an opportunity to even if you don't in the room make someone right. you know expose their true mm-hmm. thought where maybe they don't feel safe to maybe taking them aside and saying like yeah. oh I noticed that you you maybe had something you wanted to say yeah what did you think about that you know when yeah. you were when so-and-so said this or when this topic came up what do you what do you think about that and people will almost always tell you because they they have to physically restrain themselves from saying the words, mm. and so if you, I have to I have to like really hold back and bite my tongue. Then the second you give me an opportunity to tell you what's going on, I am going to tell you. Um, oh, we want yeah. to see the oh, oh crap face. I wanted to, to tell you about. Yes, we still have the oh crap face and the maybe face. Okay, those are good faces. So the, let's do the maybe face first. The maybe face is really fun because. Actually, I'm going to show it to you and you tell me which cultures like to make the baby face all the time. Yeah. Is there an actor you think of that does that? <laughs> I mean, I think of Al Pacino immediately yeah. and like yeah. uh, Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an Italian yeah. associated facial expression. Yeah. So it's a kind of like upside down smile for anyone who's listening. Upside down you that you do with your mouth. Yeah. Um, so it's almost kind of creating a hill. 
shape with your right. mouth. And it, it can be, so each of these facial expressions, I put one word on them because I think it's a really easy, simple way to remember them. But we humans are complex creatures. So if you try to put words to that, when Al Pacino does that, mm, I don't know about that. Mm, you're going to have to convince me. It, mm-hmm. it can also be that, like, not bad, but you're not 100% there. You're not mm-hmm. 100% accepting of what's, or bought into what's going on. And so if you're trying to sell somebody a car and they do that, you have not succeeded all the way with your pitch. Totally. But also on a date, mm-hmm. so go with me here, sorry, because this is just coming off the top of my head. But yeah. on a date, if you're seeing someone, early stages of seeing someone, and maybe you ask them how they feel about the relationship or you express that you would like, you know, yeah. to take it a step further in the relationship. It might not be as committed as an Al Pacino on screen, several second upside yeah. down smile. Yeah. Right. It's so, going to be a yes. mic. It's, it, what did you say? A 25th well, this of isn't a- really going to be the maybe face. I'm, I, I use the word micro expression, but the maybe face and also suppression, they take so many muscles and they take so much effort. So it's a few seconds. It, like, so it's a few seconds. But so is the there, is second there a way if someone's trying to conceal that they feel maybe? Yeah, they, will, they, they don't. People are so unaware of the facial expressions they make unless they're trying to convince, you know, they're using it as a punctuator which some cultures do, which, you know, they're like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, that might be like they're they're actually trying to make the big facial expression. But if you're saying, you know, I'd really like it if if we could both get some time off work and maybe we could go away for a couple of weeks, you know, it would be really nice to spend some more time together. And the guy's like, not, he's not totally bought into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so there's that that piece. So it's not it's not quite a micro expression because it, it, it just takes too much effort and you have to hold it a little longer but it's still going to be fairly involuntary unless right. he's saying, well, he told me this. And then I was like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, that's more of a punctuator. Right. But most, but that facial expressions I work with genuine, generally are just the universal ones. That, that's, yeah. that I, keep, I try to keep it fairly clean cut just because it, you know, those are the ones that are going to be most useful. We can, we can often see the really big ones. Okay. But that, that just means that there's something, you're not totally on the same page with the other person. Okay. And so the fifth one is, oh crap. Oh crap. And that is a piece of fear. The, the whole mouth of fear is this. And okay. it makes you see how the, the neck tendons jump. And so your neck tendons, so, so you almost look like you're making a sort of... I, triangle with your yeah, mouth. You, describe? you can like, see you can see the lower teeth. You know that yeah, sort of like I, I call it a the bit like a bit, yeah. It's a bit. It's like when you're looking at something going, oh shit! Like you you're know, it's a bit the, the dread yeah. face. You're showing the like corners yeah. and the lower teeth. And often the the oh crap face. I call it oh crap because often just you know it can be both, but it's often just one. So it's like yeah, I'm, exactly. mine is one. Yeah, and mine is always on my on my left side. Mine's on my right you side. Know, it's just like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And oh crap, sometimes, you know, it often comes with a sound. Yeah. I, don't, I have no idea why. And and so is that one that you feel like is important for people to know because then they can see if it's sincere or not? Yeah. So if you're talking with your team and you say, okay, so we're working on this project and um, I I want all of us to really pull a couple of, of little bit, you know, longer days and I want us to get it done by Thursday. And somebody yeah. on the team goes like this. That's you know, them saying, I'm afraid of this. So again, we can't see what they're thinking. It may be because they 
They are afraid that they don't have enough time. They're afraid of working with John or Cindy or whoever on the team that they're not going to do their share. But it's showing like, oh, crap, this is it's, it's, it's a it's a piece of fear. It's not. Terror, yeah, but it's like. I don't know that's going to work. Uh-oh, it's a uh-oh face. I think for parents, this is so helpful. I think for team leaders, this is so mm. helpful. For organizers, this is so helpful. And then when it comes to love, you know, which you mm. talk a lot about love and, you know, lust and lies, etc. Yeah. How would one, because I think a lot of people, especially now that we're meeting people, not via, you know, face-to-face where you kind of get a sense of someone, we're meeting them over apps and in pictures and stuff, you know, it's yeah. it it's more detached. Like we look on people's social media, which is such a curated feed yeah. of who they wish to project yeah. to the earth. And then we project yeah. all these ideas onto that. So so why is this work so important when it comes to the dating world and to the world of love? So first of all, everything that's over video or via social media, any anything that has a layer of there's some kind of hinder in the connection is problematic. You know, even when we're on Zoom, it's there's there's less of a connection than than in person and the micro expressions mm-hmm. don't necessarily match. And the mirroring that we humans do, where we mirror each other's facial expressions, that's actually how I know what emotions feel like as a human being. It, we make mm-hmm. the facial expressions, it sends a message to the amygdala that then processes it. So when we have too much facial paralysis, that impedes that process of emotional intelligence. Mm. Even with people who previously had emotional intelligence, there's your knowing smile, you're like, oh, No, it's, sense. yeah, I was just, well, it's also, I think I've spoken about this maybe before on this podcast, but like I find going to the cinema very embarrassing because I will mirror, I don't do this so socially so much, but in a cinema, I will mimic the exact face the person's making. So if it's like a Leonardo DiCaprio or Nicolas Cage movie where they're having like a meltdown for like half the film, I, if you look at me, am making the exact same face of screaming despair or anger or like fight afterwards. scenes. Oh my god, I'm fucking exhausted. So I had to have so much popcorn and like so much Coca-Cola. Like, <laughs> like I, uh, yeah, I, um, I like during a fight scene, my boyfriend uh, actually like <laughs> he kicks his legs uh, in at the same time as the fight scene. So it's actually quite dangerous to watch anything in bed on the laptop if it's violent uh, because he can't help it. He's completely unaware and his like mouth is moving time, the whole time someone's talking. Like we're both so active when we're watching TV, and it's also like you know part of why I think I've you know I've said everywhere that I can't watch sex scenes because I find it too awkward because I don't know what face to make and part of that is just that I'm terrified I'm going to make the same fucking faces you know as the people on screen and it's mortifying (laughs) really funny it's endless and so I tend to just watch things as much as I can on my own I could like there was a TV show called Gogglebox in England that they always used to offer me to go on and I was just like no one can watch me watch TV ever no that is no. my per- that's my personal purgatory or hell yeah but anyway sorry that's, that's why I was smiling just that's because really, really there's mirroring funny. and then they're yeah. taking the fucking piss like right. me and James the mirroring's it really important the problem with zoom is well I'm looking at your face now but then I'm not looking in the camera if I'm looking in the camera that feels like I'm connecting with the audience or you feel like right. I'm looking at you then I'm not actually yeah. can't actually see what your face is so my mirroring would then be off and so you're just kind of in this stuck or I just look at myself and I'm like oh you know, is my hair, it looks kind of funky today. Or, or I look at my face because I'm, I, I, it's an endless carnival of like what I can do with my face. I, for whatever reason, like a child interested in like, what can I do? I can stretch my face and do such strange things with my face. And I find that endlessly entertaining. 
I think your work just is going to help people, you know, and already is helping so many people feel a bit safer. And I hope so. And as tedious and exhausting as it is to maintain one's safety all the time, I think when it comes to women, especially, you know, like that sense of danger that we override all the time, being able to pick up on these sorts of cues or does this person actually like me? Are they cheating? You know, that, 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 it, whatever that instinct is that makes you want to go through someone's phone, which I'd never recommend doing. No. Um, but then their phone is maybe written all over their face. You know well, what I mean? And, that, as in and like that, the, that is the thing that we have this gut instinct. And I would say to anybody, anybody listening, but anybody really ever, if your gut is telling you something, trust your gut. Mm-hmm. But what about when someone's got trauma? Because there have been friends of mine who've been cheated on a bunch of times and then are convinced and then are absolutely paranoid. Well, and, so and maybe that's... maybe go to therapy for the general trauma, and then in the meantime, before you feel completely safe about your gut, learn these tools. Well, and, to be and able figure to intellectually out why, if you're, you know, why are you picking people that you don't trust to? You know, is there a mm. pattern? And, and that's something that is good to figure out in therapy too. Is there a pattern where you're repeating some of these cho- these romantic choices that that on some deeper level they're reminding you of some of the scenarios you experienced as a child? Well, when I first found out about your work, I was so excited. And then I had to ask myself, why am I this excited? And I was like, oh, it's because I'm, I've lived a life surrounded by liars. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I think it'll be interesting even to see who gravitates so much towards this well, episode it, yeah. or towards your book yeah. or towards your talks that you do and people can come and see you speak well, publicly. Well, what's been really interesting is some of the people that have seen me, um, you know, I have, a, I have a speaking career and some people will line up afterwards and just say thank you for putting on the words on things that I always knew but could never prove. And so the people that are hypervigilant, it, it seems to me to be particularly easy for them to because they've been watching this their entire lives. So now all of a sudden there's words to put, there's vocabulary to put on the stuff that they already know. Mm. And we just touched on the surface of everything. You go into far more detail and depth in your work and in your books. And so everyone should really get into the nitty gritty and then let this be the last year that we all get lied to without realizing Oh my goodness. Because it's an election year in America and I think maybe also the UK. So if there was ever a time we need to decipher bullshit, it is now. It is Uh, now indeed. So I so appreciate your work. It's come at a perfect time. Um, Perhaps 37 years too late for me, but I'd rather (laughs) be armed now. Um, I really think you're so fascinating and your work is is really mind-blowing and very um, empowering. And, And so I appreciate you. Likewise, I appreciate you too and all that you're doing. Thank you very much for coming on today. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Erin Finnegan, Kimmy Gregory, and Amelia Chapelo. And the beautiful music that you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's such a great way to show your support and helps me out massively. And lastly, at I Weigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. Please email us a voice recording sharing what you weigh at iweighpodcast at gmail.com. And now we would love to pass the mic to one of our listeners. I weigh having a loving and supporting family. I weigh being a psychotherapist and a professional dancer. I weigh being grateful always. 
and I weigh being kind and loving to others. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta, because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.